to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, and streaming on the Internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. Every Monday afternoon from 5 to 6, we are here sharing a deepening dialogue on interfaith issues and striving to discover and celebrate the dimensions of an interfaith spirituality. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I am Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. And we invite you, as always, to feel free to share with us, to join in our discussions. You can reach us here at the studio at 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. And if you're listening in Western Washington, you can also reach us toll-free at 888 888- Two nine eight five five six nine, and you can always find more information about us and even pictures of our smiling faces at interfaithtalkradio.com. And you can't tell it probably now, but our faces are smiling right now because we're looking forward to sharing this hour with you. Next week begins a holy week for Jewish and Christian traditions and some of the issues and themes that uh, are focused on during that time are universal. And we wanted to begin to look at some of the issues involved with enslavement and liberation, the places we get stuck in our personal and our spiritual lives And what freedom essentially is all about. So welcome to this hour. Join us as you see fit. And I guess we'll begin with a question. You know, uh, Brother Jamal, in uh, Jewish tradition, next week begins Passover, an eight-day celebration of the exodus from Egypt described in the book of Exodus. And uh, next week also is the days of Christian celebration of Maundy Thursday, the Last Supper, uh, Good Friday, which is the Friday of Crucifixion, and Easter Sunday, which is the Sunday of the Resurrection. And I wondered if there was a correlate to those holidays in the Muslim tradition. In Islam, the two biggest holidays are uh, Ramadan and the two Eids, those are festivals. And uh, the themes are the same, though, in, in those holidays. Uh, you, yeah, I heard you mentioning um, enslavement. Right. And so that, of course, is a major theme in Islamic spirituality, uh, being enslaved by your nafs, as you very well know, by, by your ego. So there are three stages, and if I may just tell you very briefly, uh, the Quran says uh, every human being, besides being fitra, uh, primordially very good, has that nafs. And the first one is called the commanding self. 
that commands you. Everything is about me, 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 I. And that is the stage at which, at which many of us are at, uh, the stage of idolatry. Because the, uh, the mother of all idols is the little self. We're enslaved by that. And with compassion awareness, you move on to the next stage, which is the nafs of choices. You learn to make choices. You begin to come out of that enslavement. And when you're able to really uh, transcend that, again through jihad, which really means essentially uh, exertion, making an effort by grace of God, and always with compassionate awareness, you usher into the nafs of peace, uh, an ego at peace, more and more aligned with our essence, with our Christ nature, Elohim nature, Allah nature. Mm -hmm. But this, So that's considered part of the ego? That's part of the like ego. Like of the perfected ego, so Yes, and you become more and more a complete human being as you transform the ego. Interesting. Uh, yes, and that's eventually the, the nafs at peace is Islam, surrender. Right. And nafs in Hebrew is nefesh, uh -huh. which is the level of soul, which is identified as the ego. But the nefesh can only do so much of its own because the nefesh is the mediary, in a way, between a higher level of soul and action in the world. So the nefesh, the ego, the, is the separate the sense of separate self that we each carry within us that is the center of our perceptions, the center of our thoughts, the center of our feelings. But when it tries to be the center of everything, it usurps that role from, and it does, it becomes mm -hmm. idolatrous. So do you in Judaism also have very clearly outlined in the holy books uh, the stages? Yeah. Um, there are five levels of soul. Um, the lowest is nefesh. Then comes ruach, which is the heart space. Then comes neshama. Then comes yichida, which is all uh, oneness. And chaya, which is an identification of all life, okay. everything. And the the tradition focuses on the first three. You know, so it's like starting at the ego level, moving to the heart level, and then that deeper level beyond what might be called the mental level, uh, level of consciousness, which is inclusive of all the others. In Islam also, once you start the process of working on the ego, then organically there arises a cry from within. Uh, as the Quran identifies, the cry is, Oh God, open for me my heart. Right. And that be becomes a part of the same integral process. Right. Different techniques, different ways of really, uh, as the Quran says, expand my chest, bring to God a sound heart, open my heart. Chaya and Yechida. Actually, I just got those two reversed. Ah. Uh -huh. And then Chaya. I, I don't claim uh, entrance for myself <laughs> to those realms. Um, so I usually talk and teach the three. I see, I see. Um, I don't have a real lot to say about the others there. Maybe my next life. Hmm. You know, as you're talking about uh, these similar themes in Judaism and Islam, I'm thinking about next week, of course, and Holy Week, beginning with Palm Sunday, 
And um, Palm Sunday, as you know, was the day, uh, it was the first day of the week. It wasn't a day of worship. Shabbat was the day of worship. Um, but it was a day of a parade. And Jesus came in to the city on a donkey, as it was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah. But there was another parade happening, uh, namely the Pilate and, and uh, some Roman soldiers coming in to make sure that during Passover things would be calm, cool, and collected in the city of Jerusalem. And so two things were coming into conflict mm. in the city. And as, uh, as you were talking, I'm thinking those two things were the ego, mm. namely the sense that we need to protect our beings, we are separate from others, and so forth. That was symbolized for me by the power of the Roman army, the occupiers. And then, at the same time, uh, Jesus on the donkey symbolizing something else. Something that I think you would describe in Jewish tradition as the movement up, or movement within those five levels of being. And um, for me, as a Christian, I would say it was the, it was the, the reign of God versus the reign of an unrestrained ego. Right. <clears throat> clashing right. On, on Palm Sunday. You know, I know about uh, Good Friday, about Maundy um, Thursday, about Easter, but I didn't know about Palm Sunday. I, it just wasn't part of my... And some years ago, I got a call from Steve Tolles, who was then uh, one of the ministers at Seattle Unity. Hmm. And they had had a family emergency, and he uh, asked me if I could come speak on Palm Sunday. And I was available that day, so I said, I said yeah, I could s speak. And I remember looking at my hands, you know, at the palms on my hands, and I was wondering, what is Palm <laughs> yeah. Sunday? Yeah. You know, what does one do on Palm Sunday? Yeah. Well, we have palms, actually. I mean, we you have wave, palm leaves. We have palm leaves, and yeah. we wave them. But the, the irony of Palm Sunday is that it seems like a triumph. Jesus coming right. into Jerusalem. But, but it, it wasn't. It was the beginning of um, the Christian version of Passover, in a way. It was the beginning of the movement from enslavement to freedom. That, that the, we, the whole Holy Week, from Palm Sunday through Easter, uh, takes us through which is in some ways thematically an exact parallel of the eight days of Passover because well, of the... Yeah, it's like, I mean, it, the image sounds to me, in order to have that kind of freedom, in order to have that kind of awakening, you've got to pass through the valley. Exactly. So yeah. when you say it sounds like coming in in triumph and in celebration, in a way it was. Right. And I suppose one could imagine that a spiritual master would know that's what's being set in motion. Exactly. And it's going to look one way, but what's really happening is an elevation. But we, I think Christian people have never really come to terms with that reality. For example, as a child, we never celebrated Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday even. That was a Catholic thing right. to do. We went from the triumph of Palm Sunday to the triumph of Easter, not knowing the importance of passing through the dark side through right. the valley, and which is uh, uh, Palm Sunday, or which is um, Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Right. And is this time of uh, contemplation similar in all the denominations in Christianity? Well, uh, the, certainly the the moments are there in all. In I mean, in terms of the stories, they're all there because they're all in the Bible. 
but um, different Christian uh, groups celebrate them in, in different ways. We're uh, uh, talking about the spiritual energies of the holy days that are approaching us. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we are going to continue our discussion after these messages. Church of Christ wants you to know about the God is Still Speaking campaign, a national effort to let everyone know that this denomination welcomes everyone, no matter what, to the worship of God and the service of the church. We believe that God has much, much more to tell us about the good news of the gospel of Jesus and about what love can do to help us with this beautiful but troubled world. To find out more, log on to www.ucc.org slash index.php. We wish you blessings for your life. Would you like one of the most rewarding sales jobs of your life? The Dr. Pat Show has rapidly grown into the number one radio show to thrive by. The Dr. Pat Show is hailed for its remarkable guests, sponsors with integrity, and amazing listeners. Dr. Pat is in search of a creative, self-starting, energetic person to join the marketing team. If you're interested in helping promote and sustain the Dr. Pat Show, please submit your resume to pat at thedrpatshow.com. Again, that's pat at thedrpatshow.com. This is your opportunity to make a difference in your community and the world. Contrary to popular belief, having a baby is not always a happy, glowing experience. Many women develop a variety of mood problems, most often depression. Thankfully, there are many options available to heal or prevent this debilitating condition. Dr. Shoshana Bennett is shining a light on postpartum depression right here on the Dr. Pat Show. So tune in and find out how to help someone you love. For more information about postpartum depression, visit us at postpartumdepressionhelp.com. 1150kknw.com. It's why they invented the Internet. We think. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ. In and we'll keep repeating that, making sure Don gets it right <laughs> um, each time. He's got the, the challenge of the church with the longest name of any of us. We're, we are here with you each week discussing issues of concern to interfaith dialogue and interfaith spirituality. And right now we're talking about some of the energies that are about to meet us next week to talk about ways in which we might prepare ourselves to meet those energies, whether we are Jewish or Christian or Muslim. No matter what our tradition, how can we learn from each other's traditions to support the deeper awakening of our own spirit and the deeper connection that we each realize within ourselves to the source of our being. So you were talking, Brother uh, Don, about how there had been a tendency in Christianity, at least the Christianity that you grew up in, to avoid the shadow places. Right, which I think is a kind of a naturally human thing to do. It's too bad because it, it does bypass 
that crucial element of uh, that is needed f for any experience of transformation. I think um, um, we can't just go from light to light. We life is not like that. We we need to pass through the dark side and. Well, we wouldn't know what life w light was like if we hadn't experienced uh, the absence. There is a kind of naivete that we tend to function with, where we'd like everything to go fine. Yeah. We'd like always to be up. We'd like it always to be light. And that's totally understandable. Who would choose pain or who would choose anguish or who would choose loss? But all those allow the highs to be. If we are to connect with each other, we open ourselves to the pain of loss. Uh, which brings me to that insight we always talk about uh, that it says in all the traditions, don't run towards the darkness because it has wonderful, valuable lessons. Just don't run away from it. Yeah. Uh, that is the key. That's to the nightmare. It. You know, when, when we meet a nightmare figure, and we tell a child or we tell ourselves, the next time you find yourself in your dream or in your imagination or in your meditation running away from the dragon or the monster, yes. stop and turn toward it and, and ask it what it wants of you. Mm. And although that sounds Terrifying. very difficult yeah. to do, yeah. the truth is... It's the beginning sometimes of a dialogue with self, which is extremely growthful. So in Islam, Islamic spirituality, that's a key um, integral practice that to open up the heart, the best way is to embrace uh, not only your 10,000 joys of life, but also your 10,000 sorrows of life. I, I wanted to just um, refer to that beautiful quotation by uh, that... that um, Nobel Award-winning um, poet Tagore. You know, he used to say that if at night time you're crying because you're missing the daylight, you don't have the daylight, then you are missing out on the beauty of the stars. Mm. Uh, if you just are yeah. involved in that regret. Yeah. So how beautiful to embrace in this world of duality that we really enjoy and admire and really marvel at the light in contrast to the darkness. Right. In uh, rabbinic psychology, there is a notion that within every person are inclinations. There is a yetzer tov, an inclination for good, and there is a yetzer hara, an inclination for evil. And it's not a matter of destroying the inclination for evil. You know, it's not like you should only have one because both are there. And there's a very interesting statement where it says, if it weren't for the Yetzer Hara, if it wasn't for the evil inclination, no buildings would be built, no mm. cities would be mm. built. N nothing, you know, that that is a motivating force, in fact, that can be channeled positively. Yes. yes, it can be channeled negatively as well. But we need those aspects of ourselves. We need the light and the darkness within ourselves. We need the shadow side. And I suppose part of what we're dealing with in the holidays that are meeting us has to do with the acknowledgement of that. The, somehow the deeper discovery 
of, okay, what is the shadow that I'm not willing to look at now? Or what is the shadow that I am projecting out onto someone else? Or what is the level of responsibility that I'm not willing to take for my life or my feelings or my existence? And what would freedom be? Right. I was thinking as you were talking, what would what would we do if we didn't have ways to um, express this need to um, say we want to be free. We want to. We're all prisoners of some kind, and we want we want freedom. But what for? What What's the purpose of freedom? Um, certainly, we want that feeling of freedom. But also, there's a sense that uh, in a spiritual awakening, we want to be free to help each other um, become more complete, so that we can um, help with, uh, let's say, with God's dreams for creation. And, and and the ways that we, each of our traditions th- thinks about that. So that's why it's so critical to really strive continuously to do our inner work. Of course, outer work has to be there, otherwise not a complete life. But the striving to really become a more complete human being has to be persistent and consistent. By the way, Don, I was uh, very fascinated when you were saying Jesus on the donkey. Yeah. You know, the, in, in it's interesting how we find parallels in different spiritualities. In Islamic spirituality, there's a saying that, uh, which, is, which signifies and embodies our lack of awareness. So if a Sufi will say, Jamal, you're not aware, one of the saying is, you're putting the saddlebags on Jesus and putting the donkey out in the pasture. Wow. Which means that your, your lack of awareness uh, is very, very dim. Because in Islam... To really awaken to oneself, to become a complete human being, uh, the symbol is that of Jesus, actually. And the receptive form is Mary. Wow. That Mary gave birth to Jesus. So Mary gave birth to that which, which, which we all aspire to become. Mm-hmm. To become infused with the Spirit of God, because Jesus in the Quran is called Spirit of God. So that reference, when you say, put the saddlebags on Jesus and put the donkey out to pasture, is yes. a direct reference to Palm Sunday. Oh, I, I didn't know that. It yeah. must be. Because, I mean, and and of course, uh-huh. Jesus coming into the to the city on a donkey is a, it's a narrative fulfillment of a prophecy uh, by Zechariah, uh, meant to convey a sense of leadership, authority, and humility simultaneously. I think um, it's uh, it's it's a stunning contrast to the sort of equestrian triumph you might think of. A leader coming into a city on a white horse and being the conquering hero. No, he comes in on a donkey. And in some sense of humility, the crowds are still saying, Hosanna, save us now. Uh, Save us now. What does that mean? Well, free us. uh, Save us from, free us from the oppression of the Romans. Restore the glory of of previous times. Um, Help us to be the people we had dreamed of becoming. Um, and there was a great sense on that moment, in that moment, that Jesus was the person they had hoped would do that. But, and this is where, and, and it's in this absolute moment that uh, the, the divide between the Jews and Christians begins, because was Jesus the Messiah? Was Jesus the anointed one of God who would come and free us and so forth? Well, yes and no. Um, and we can speak more about that, but um, it's a key moment in in the history of monotheism, in a way, because it 
puts in relief so so importantly these themes of the providence of God, but inside that, the movement from imprisonment to to freedom. The difficulty obviously comes when we identify our story as the only story that will get you out of your enslavement. Right. Uh, my story is the only one that can lead you to freedom. My story is the only one that can lead you to the divine. My story is the only story that can lead you to, to redemption. And in one way or another, that we tend to do that right. with each other and with our stories. But I think we're always glad to find the universal nature that lifts us out of that need to say our story is the only way. And um, I think in this case, the, these, the needs for the release from imprisonment, that's a universal uh, thing. I remember reading um, a review of the 20th New York Film Festival, which began with the sentence, We're all prisoners of some kind, aren't we? At one time or another, we're all held captive by, and then there's this list, um, money, sex, art, politics, the ego, and so forth. Right. And I, it, it was like a, a, an explosion going off in my head. I mean, that was, there was nothing Christian, nothing Jewish, nothing Islamic about that. It was just a universal truth that we do want to be free. And the question is, how do we do that? What do these uh, celebrations contribute to that process, and how can we help each other? Right, that universal quest. It's like one of the possibilities is to start with the universal quests and look at each significant tradition and ask, how does that tradition contribute to that particular journey? And to discover the particular ways in which we can all be supported by the wisdom that arises in each of our traditions. I'm talking about imprisonment. Just one quick note, uh, a point you always make. A quick one, yeah, but that's we right, are yes. imprisoned by uh, time right that's now. That's right. And we're the main imprisonment is, uh, is caring about people's approval, and you are forever their prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. So whose prisoner are you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, and as you say, be very careful who you will choose, which jailer you will yeah, choose. Choose your jailers with care and deliberation. Exactly. That's the answer. <laughs> We are, we are about to pause for a word from our sponsors. Uh, this is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we will be back with you in a few moments. University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Do you know why there's so much publicity about stem cells? Well, they are the building blocks of our health. The foundation for your everyday healthy renewal. Would you like to harness the power of your own stem cells and increase their production by up to 70%? There is now available a revolutionary science to help your body's natural renewal system. The producers are so confident that you'll feel the difference for yourself, they're offering a week's supply for only $9.95. Just visit AdultStemCellNutrition.com. That's AdultStemCellNutrition.com. Release the negative emotions from your past to bring you your dreams into reality. The Empowering Your Life Seminar transforms the way you think. 
It helps you remove the blocks that prevent you from doing, having, or changing what you want. Limiting decisions, limiting beliefs, and conflicting values can be eliminated. Call 1-800-800-MIND or go to NLP.com to learn about the May 4th through 6th event in Seattle. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. No shirt, no shoes, no problem. Come as you are. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. Coming to you uh, from Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, KKNW, and brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor engaged in a deepening dialogue on interfaith understanding and our shared spiritual quest. And we're going to start with Pastor Don this time, who is... I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue, also, well, in Seattle and Bellevue. And we are talking about energies of the Holy Week, and we're talking about expression and experience of enslavement and expression and experience of redemption. And, of course, realizing that no real redemption can come without enslavement. No real freedom can come without an awareness of limitation and stuckness. And one of the things that I kind of marvel at every time I approach Passover season is to remember that every promised land becomes our next place of enslavement. In the ancient myth, when the children of Israel first enter Egypt, we entered Egypt as a promised land. There was a great famine. Joseph had come to become second only to Pharaoh in uh, administering and ruling the land of Egypt. His brothers came down and were given, his whole family was given the land of Goshen, which was a verdant, fertile area of Egypt. And then the book of Genesis ends shortly after that, and the book of Exodus begins saying a king arose who knew not Joseph uh, and, a, and w was afraid of the children of Israel, but in fact the children of Israel were already enslaved. And of course, on a metaphorical level, it's not so much the king of Egypt that forgot about Joseph, but we forgot about Joseph. You know, we forget. There's something about being in the promised land that leads to our next forgetting. So that there is a cycle we go through, and it's not accidental, it's purposeful. It's not, oh no, I forgot again. It's, oh, now I'm at a place where I have the opportunity to transcend again, to grow more. Because that's the way we grow as human beings. We we like to think we grow smoothly, but we don't. We grow through kind of conflict. We grow through being restricted, and then we break through, and we have that experience of that kind of joy. And it's important to know that it's, it's not a mistake when we find ourselves enslaved and trapped in the various levels of our ego, back into playing for the applause or avoiding the criticism mm. or 
allowing an old judge within our own heads to keep us down. It's an opportunity for our next stage of awakening. So would you also say that uh, in this situation, the existence of an authentic community could really be of help besides having a teacher? Sure. Uh, and, and so the next question is, how do you do that? Are there guidelines in your traditions? Because you mentioned it's so easy to get uh, go astray. Community ultimately is that context in which others are willing to perceive the beauty in us when we forget. Mm. Um, a spiritual community is that place where that context where people are willing to perceive the spirit in us when we forget. So that we should all then come to Bet Aleph. Meditative synagogue, sincerely. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, as an example. Uh, as yeah. an example, yes. Uh, yes. Hopefully, I uh, mean, that really, is yes, the intention. Yes, the intention yes. is to provide mm -hmm. a context, mm -hmm. a container for people to remember who they are. And one of the ways we remember is to be in the presence of others who are affirming that about us. Right. Yes, I know you have problems. Yes, I know you're a human being. Yes, I know you're frail and you're vulnerable. Yes, I know you have conflicts in your life. And I know that within you, the spirit of the divine is awakening in this very moment. Within you, all the beauty mm -hmm. that can ever be is possible. Mm. And what, who am I relating to when I relate to you? You know, in the context of a spiritual community, we are looking at each other as reflections of the very highest and the very finest. And there is an opening of the heart and an opening of the mind. Oh, I, I totally agree. And the reason I brought it up was because we live in a society where there's so much stress on individualism. Mm -hmm. and, and that is so important, very, very critical. But unless it's done in the context of a community, this striving to become a complete human being, with all the stages that we have mentioned, life becomes very difficult. And yet, if you look around, how many people really have authentic community? And because they don't, there are so many problems. Certainly, loneliness is one of the imprisonments that we can experience. And I, I uh, give thanks for not just my... Uh, spiritual community, University Congregational United Church of Christ, but this community, the three of us, that and the places that takes us and the communities that takes us to and and so forth. It's um, we've talked about um, how we're kind of a a team or a band. I mean, we we have learned to. We rob from the rich, rich. and give to the poor. I know. I'm, I'm on with For you. For a band, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, we value, I mean, we've part of the way we learn about community, the three of us, is from each other. From the experience of being together through the, through the difficult times and the, and the good times. And the blessing of both of them, actually. Um, because of the things that, things that we learn from them and, and the ways in which we're strengthened by it, the ways we grow and... And I think of loneliness and being apart from any kind of community as being one of the worst forms of torture that I can think of. Um, people who are homeless may have communities, we don't know, but often if we see them standing, they become symbolic of uh, a kind of dramatic loneliness in our culture. Poverty. Um, 
so forth. I always say there's a major form of enslavement, really, loneliness, not having a family community who you're close to, not having a, a friend's community that one can be nurtured and nourished by. And any other form of community would be so critical, really, so critical. Or, or even on a, collective, on, a, on a collective level, if we are so involved in empire building, then we miss out on this global or even domestic community building. And community is not static. So it's not like we, oh, now we have a community, now everything's okay. I used to think uh, I was very involved with the Benedictine uh, Abbey. It was called a priory for most of the time I was involved in it. That was in the upper desert outside of Los Angeles, north of Los Angeles. For years, I used to take groups there on retreat, probably 25 years. And I used to look at the life of the brothers. Some were brothers, some were priests who lived there full time. Like, they're in the desert. Uh, this is upper desert, so it's uh, Joshua tree kind of thing and cactus and scrub brush. So it's not sand dunes. Mm. But it's quiet and it's peaceful and it's gorgeous and it's contemplative and it's meditative. And the more I got to know the individual brothers and individual priests who lived there, the more I got to know that they, in their community, are encountering the very same difficulties that I encountered in my life, in the city, in my relationships, in my friendships. You know, you, you can't get away from it. Community is a place of healing, but in order for it to be a place of healing, it's also a place where we encounter ourselves mm. and encounter some of our demons and encounter some of our shadows. But that is the idea of having that Absolutely. home of nurturance and nourishment, uh, an authentic community right, but can really help you. People get confused because uh -huh. they think it's supposed to feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and when it doesn't feel good, it's the same thing with relationships. Mm -hmm. People think relationships are supposed to feel good all the time. Well, guess what? If it's a real relationship, it's going to be a container for the issues mm -hmm. in our lives that need to be raised so that we can elevate ourselves to the next level of our own growth. Oh, absolutely. I believe that an authentic community is a, a womb that really, or an environment that really enables you to feel safe in being vulnerable. Right. Mm. So if somebody says, I'm in a community and consistently, all the time, everything is fantastic, wonderful, great... I think then one is not in a real community. Or they're on drugs. <laughs> Could be, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or in depression, maybe. But unless one has permission and feels safe right. in being vulnerable, right. then uh, it is not working, actually. And because the idea is to evolve, and that involves exertions and ups and downs. Right. One of the metaphors in the biblical story of... Uh, the enslavement and the exodus is that nothing happens until we start crying out in our anguish and crying out in our pain. Mm. You know, I, I don't believe in a God who's out there like a big guy mm. or a big girl. Um, I believe in, from my point of view, God is this whole thing. Mm. But in metaphor, we utilize images to help us learn about ourselves and our relationships to each other, our relationships to the universe. And in the metaphor, um, 
God is saying, or Moses is hearing, I have heard the outcry of my people. Like until then, there was no possibility of salvation. Mm -hmm. The first thing that has to happen is the awakening to how much it's hurting. Ouch, ouch, ouch. It's really hurting. Then there's an opportunity for healing. When I'm hiding that from myself, when I'm pretending, when I'm living in some kind of pretense that everything's cool, everything's okay, I'm living in denial or suppression or repression, there's no hope, there's no possibility, there's no way. So it's first, step into the truth of what one is experiencing in the moment. This is my truth. In the tradition say, the more that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy it can contain. So it really behooves a person to embrace the shadow when it comes to you, with love mm. and compassion. And that image of, as you were saying, about the desert and experiencing the meaning of community in a place of, as Jamal would say, spaciousness, where you can really take time to feel those vibrations that you were just describing. Right. What, a what a great privilege that is. What an important... Uh, it is a wonderful privilege, and it is a great blessing, and it's also blessing. a curse. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the curse is there's, you can't get away from yourself. Mm. You know, it's not like living in the city where you can go busy yourself with this, and let's go out there to eat, and let's go to that movie, and let's go to that show, and let's uh, we'll take this hike, and we'll go that, and now we'll... You know, it's like... Well, you're there. <laughs> and, of course, that's why desert has always, in all our traditions, been a setting for awakening. Right. Yeah. Al allowing and encouraging us to be able to slow down. And in some ways, that's what meditation is about, to create for ourselves hmm. that inner landscape of, right. uh, of that, a wilderness. That inner spaciousness. That inner spaciousness where... Things go slower, and there's more space to you can, be. You can embrace so much more. And I'm sitting here wondering when Eric, who is our engineer, <laughs> I missed the signal. See, I was sitting here waiting for him to signal that it's time to take a break. It looks like it to me looking at the clock. But I missed his signal. I, I must have he was very patient. nodded off at that point. <laughs> Next time I'll come as a burning bush and say <laughs> two minutes. <laughs> okay, I will turn aside to see that the wonder of that sight. <laughs> All right. But first, these messages. I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't seem to get over this. Change results in loss. With death in the family, divorce, or major illness, there's going to be grief. When you're feeling overwhelmed or like you just can't get through it alone, you can heal through grief counseling. You can call Sybil Lundy at Whole Life Counseling. For nearly 10 years, Whole Life Counseling has been a safe place to come to peace with life changes. Call 206-683-1561 or see my website at wholelifedesigns.com. Hello, this is Sue Newfeld Ellis. In our fast-paced, busy world, my new CD, Serenity Through Meditation, is just what you need. Through Stephen Halpern's sonic music entrainment and my voice, we will comfortably guide your brainwaves to that theta state of deep relaxation. To order your free copies of 25 Stress Reduction Tips, go to quantumhealing.us or call 425-455-4207. Independent programs, independent 
voices, independent ideas. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We're with you on Mondays from 5 to 6, exploring together issues of interfaith concern and striving together to appreciate a dimension of shared spirituality, acknowledging that there is something greater than our paths, that all our paths are avenues to a shared universal, and we are all embraced by that universal. So we strive to share the wonders and the beauties and the treasures of each of our traditions to support each other's journeys and to support our common journey. And we are talking about the energies of enslavement and liberation, entrapment and freedom that are about to meet us next week with Passover and with the Palm Sunday all the way through uh, Easter Sunday celebrations. Right, and it's going to be... We're looking forward to experiencing Passover with Beit Aleph, uh, Ted leading. Jamal and I will be making a few comments. And then two days later, we'll be celebrating Monday, Thursday at our church. Uh, and uh, my colleagues, Catherine Foote and Peter Elgin Fritz, will be helping. And, and uh, Ted and Jamal will be also participating. Right. It's a good time to tell, let people know that if they'd like to experience the Seder, we, we conduct the Seder at the facilities uh, in the university district of University Congregational United Church of Christ. That's probably why it's called University Congregational. It is. Yeah, because it's near the university. <laughs> it's across the street. Um, for those who would like to join us in the Seder and both uh, Jews as well as non-Jews participate in that celebration, um, you can find further information at our website, which is jewishspiritualcommunity.com. Uh, you can find information about that at the UC, UCC website. Right. And the Maundy Thursday is also open. Right. And we are exploring this year for the first time uh, the Christian community and Jamal and whatever Muslims come entering into the experience of the Seder next Tuesday evening. And two days later, all of us sharing with you some of the drama of Monday Thursday. Right, and part of the um, blessing of all this is that, um, as I said before, the Holy Week and Passover have... Para there, there are parallels in terms of the themes that we're working on, and the blessing is to have Jamal come and observe that and talk about how those vibrations are worked out in Islam, because that is something that our communities don't know anything about, and it's so important in this world to understand how uh, how our this, to understand the stories and traditions that we represent, because it is important to enact. Uh, these essential human dramas mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, because they help us to um, be strengthened to, to deal with things that we need to see. And, and of course, one question that all three of us uh, will be asking is, 
how do we in the United States, for example, at this moment experience imprisonment mm. in terms of uh, wars, in terms of the gap between the rich and the poor, in terms of a kind of a spiritual almost desperation. Uh, we were talking about the film The Departed uh, before the show began and the kinds of the, the violence, the profanity and so forth. And what kind of desperation does that film uh, express? Uh, it, got, it, it got the Academy Award. It's an important, an important uh, telling of a story that, does, that tells something very important about who we are. And, and Ted, a, a moment ago, you said something about how in the dark moments they become opportunities to um, to grow, to right. to work toward the light, and right. so certainly as as religious leaders and American citizens, one opportunity for us during this Passover time, during this Holy Week, is to say, where are we imprisoned in the United States, and and what do we need to do to move out of that? Um, what does getting out of Egypt mean for us? What is the what is the sense of all that? Um, and to remember that we're not just the Hebrew slaves crossing the Red Sea and getting into the wilderness. We are also Pharaoh's army. We're right. also the protectors of the status quo. And what an incredible uh, juxtaposition that is to realize that we play both those roles. And how can we help each other with that? You know, this is also a good example of the f truth that we're also trapped in a spiritual enslavement. Mm -hmm. And this is the beauty of working together and experiencing one another's traditions. So, I as a Muslim, by attending the Passover, the Seder, uh, and learning more and more, not just uh, theoretically, but experientially, some of the practices that are done in the Jewish tradition, in the Christian tradition, in this holy week, or, or this holy season also, I think I become a better Muslim. It enriches my own insights, my own connection, my own deeper understanding of the Quran. And this is, I think, an experience which I would think or would like everybody to experience right. uh, universally. Because many of us are so trapped in this religion is not only good, it's not only best for me, it's the best, it's superior. And that becomes the beginning of a problem. Mm -hmm. huh. And that's our spiritual enslavement. Right. If it's that good, then Jamal, just practice it. It's, it's best for you. Right. And practice it. Live it's, it. It's like everybody's religion is a story, except mine. Mine's fact. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and, better Every, than, and better than yours. <laughs> everybody's uh, religion is a metaphor, <laughs> is, except is, mine. Mine's true, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's an interesting, like... The challenge of pluralism is a real challenge. One of the things about the Passover is it is a reflection of the power of story. It's a reflection of the power of myth. I think it's the same thing with the Christian story. We are invited to enter into, I mean, the, what we are saying in the Seder is we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. We were slaves. And to allow that to be part of our experience, we share that experience. Mm -hmm. And that which freed us, you know, in the biblical story, Moses is prominent. But in the traditional Haggadah, the traditional text that's used, the telling of the story that's used at the, at the Seder, at the Passover uh, meal, 
and ritual, Moses is not even mentioned. It's because it's, it's God. Yeah. It's one awakens to a greater reality, and it's that that frees. Mm -hmm. And that freedom is never going to come from some external source. My own reading of the teachings of Jesus indicate that he was saying the same thing. Exactly. That he was aware of that presence which frees. Mm. And it was somehow translated to narrow it. Mm just as it has been in Jewish tradition, just as it has been in Islam, where a literalism has forced the juice and the life out of a metaphor which can be shared and can support all of us in our journey. Do you at this time in this season for both of you to expand your awareness and to deepen your compassion at this particular time, do you engage in some extra spiritual practices one at this the, particular time? Oh, yeah. Now, one, one of the practices is that as we approach Passover, we are to cleanse our homes. Traditionally, cleanse our homes from all leavening. Because we're not supposed to have any leaven. You could package it up. You could tape it up. You could put it in cabinets and tape over it so you won't... You know, but the, the, a lot of people do their spring cleaning, mm. which, of course, is an outer and an inner cleaning. Right. Like, it's time to clear the space. It's mm. time to So you're already doing that piles. in your house? You're already doing that? We're not really great at doing that, Jamal, <laughs> but we do it the best we can. You aspire to. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it's like clear out the clutter. Mm-hmm. And get ready. And then there's going to be a different way of eating during the eight days of Passover. Like there's no eating of leaven. There's no eating of regular grains. Mm -hmm. So we're eating unleavened bread. There's a consciousness every day, pretty much every meal, Mm -hmm. that something different is happening this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, People keep that more or less. There are Mm -hmm. different levels, but... Traditionally, you have no leaven. You're not, you're not eating any leaven. So you go if you're going to a restaurant. I'll have that sandwich without the sandwich. You know, and one takes care about about what we're eating in a different way. Why? The leavening is the puffed upness. Mm-hmm. It's the puffed upness of the ego. It's a symbolic and this is a week where we kind of heal that puffed upness nice. by letting go of the leaven in our lives. How about you, Brother Don? Do you do some special practices? Well, this um, I think the cleaning out thing is so... And we actually have a rummage sale this time of year, and it's not a coincidence, I think, that it's this time of year because that's so important. Yeah. To, emptying and filling is a huge, uh, Im, a hugely important thing about this season of the year and so forth. Well, I'm very inspired to do some house cleaning, too, then. All Thank right. you so much for this well, inspiration. We are, we are about to conclude this session of Interfaith Talk Radio. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will be meeting uh, uh, an hour or so before the first Seder. We'll be meeting right as Passover is about to begin. And we encourage you to share with us as we look more deeply into the stories and the energies of this season. Blessings to you all.